Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a podcast from The Bugle. Goddess, sing the rage of Peleus' son Achilles, destructive how it gave the Achaeans endless pain and sent many brave souls of heroes to Hades and made them food for the dogs and all the birds as Zeus's plan was being fulfilled. Start from when those two diverged in strife, the lord of men Atreus' son and the gargle, the sonic glossy magazine to the bugle's audio newspaper for visual world, all of the news, none of the politics, some of the ancient Greek poetry... I am your host, Alice Fraser, and this week's edition of The Gargle is joined by editors Alison Spittle and Keris Bradley. Hello. 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 Excited and delighted to be here. Also, those things. (laughs) Uh, Similarly, but not equally, perhaps. Sorry, I'm very tired. That is allowed. It's allowed to be tired. Look after yourself. Maybe have a nap, but not during the show. <laughs> Although I did once have somebody tell me, email me, um, after uh, he couldn't sleep unless he'd heard, he was listening to something that he'd listened to many times before. And I appeared very, very briefly on an episode of Mark Maron's podcast. And he like was like, thank you. I really found your contribution soothing. It was like literally 15 seconds. And he'd listened to it at least 250 times. And he like beat by beat analyzed the brief comedy that I did in that moment. And I was like, huh. You never know the impact wow. you're going to have. You were basically a sheep. <laughs> like being counted. My partner and I reached a watershed moment in our relationship where we realised that I'd said more words to her than Martin the Sound Man from the Illusionist podcast <laughs> because that's what she falls asleep to. So that, that was a big day for me. <laughs> that is a beautiful moment. Before we snuggle in together on the couch that is this week's top stories, let's have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is Stephen Fry posing provocatively without a Twitter account. The headline says, I had 12 million followers and I threw it all away on the campus exit since Oscar Wilde left a party swishing his scarf like a cape. I took this piece of news very seriously because uh, he followed me on Twitter. Stephen Fry followed me on Twitter and now he's not on Twitter anymore. So I feel like I've real lost some real clout there. Oh no. How did he follow you in the first place? What was the... The path towards that. We had the same show name at Edinburgh one year and like a bunch of people tweeted uh, tweeted me being like, lol, bet Stephen Fry is going to accidentally do your show or whatever. Uh, and I think he was like, who's this idiot? And then, but it was really exciting for me, you know, like it wasn't any, due to any like skills oh. on my part. <laughs> do you know when someone really famous follows you and you're like, I better not say anything stupid for like a week better better act normal in front of the big celebrity and then they unfollow you for being boring yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and it's like what can we do what can i do <laughs> you know when i have more famous people following me i stalk them and check like the day that they unfollow me it's like one of my my weekly twitter things i'll go in and see <laughs> are they still following me which is easy on twitter but on instagram to do it, I have to unfollow them to see if the thing says that they're following me. And so it's even more obvious that I'm regularly 
stalking them because I'm regularly unfollowing and then refollowing them <laughs> wow. if you still like my content. <laughs> in this week's episode of the non-political gargle, red against blue. Which is a better colour in the Pantone colour range? And why do you feel ideologically allied to cool tones or warm tones? Do our survey and find out if you're a Rosso or an Eve Klein. Uh, the satirical news cartoon is actor Sean Penn giving his Oscar to President Zelensky to keep until, allegedly, uh, until Russia is ejected from Ukraine as a way to encourage him to win the war. Aha, uh-huh, says Zelensky, my plan all along was to use this war to win an Oscar. Have you been following this story at all? I know it's sort of, I can't tell if this is political or not, but that's why I put it in the satirical cartoon section, which is our only bit of being political. But this is so stupid, it's not political, if you know what I mean. I, this is the first I've heard of this. This is interesting. So, like, Sean Penn has given it to him to keep safe. Well, well, yeah, given it, he's given That's it to him. That's a terrible idea. As a sign of encouragement, saying, you can keep this until Ukraine wins the war. Wow. But that's the opposite incentive structure. <laughs> now he has an active encouragement to, to, to prolong the war for as long as possible. Every time he looks up at that Oscar, he's going to be like, mm, today's not the day I, I need my emotional support Oscar. <laughs> I, this, I feel very odd about the Oscar as a gift because, first of all, an Oscar is inherently not very valuable, I don't think. I think it has yeah. some value in the, in the gold or something. But having Sean Penn's Oscar doesn't... Like, I don't, he's just, you're just minding something that isn't yours. It's like, here, hold this for me while you're also running a war. It seems stressful, needlessly stressful. I'm pretty sure he's allowed to put it down. Is he, though? We don't know what conditions Sean Penn, like, maybe it's really <laughs> onerous, like, maintenance required. <laughs> Polish his little, you know, bald noggin three times a day with a wet rag, you know. It, it does feel like he is just giving that guy uh, one more task to do. He's like, you're good at multitasking, you know. Uh, (laughs) Well, if you want something done, ask a busy man. Ask him to edit my podcast. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Zelensky, I know you're up to your eyeballs, but, like, come on. (laughs) That would be an actual encouragement, though, if he has to learn how to do sound design and podcast editing and then he's got to. If everyone starts giving him podcast to edit, he's like, "Well, I got. I've got to get this. Got to get this sorted. I'll go kick Russia out myself because I just. I just don't have the time." <laughs> well, he'd need to get somewhere quiet as well, you know. All these sirens and bobs would be like, I cannot edit this podcast. It's surprising if you ask politely and you say you're recording a podcast, people are often quite willing to like stop drilling for half an hour or something. <laughs> so this isn't a political podcast, but I'm just saying, if you go, "Oi, quiet down! I'm doing a podcast," we could have found the solution. To all wars. You've talked yourself into it. <laughs> Top story this week, clitoris news. Yes. yes. Scientists have counted all 10,000 nerve fibres in the human clitoris. This is uh, groundbreaking news after uh, so much of medical history was spent pretending it didn't exist. Uh, now they've comprehensively counted all the bits, like sheep, to keep you asleep. But the real question is, uh, do you think somebody who has to be convinced that the clitoris is real... Or somebody who has counted all 10,000 nerve fibres would be a better lover. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a hard decision to make between the two. What I love about this story is that like, uh, the scientists were looking at cow clitorises. And genuinely, when I read this, a uh, thought hit me. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know cows had clitorises. Which is like a silly thing. The only thing that... The only two species of animals that I thought had clitorises was humans and dolphins because dolphins won't stop wanging on about it all the time, you know? 
And to find out that like um, cows have four stomachs before I found out it had a clitoris just goes to show uh, science's kind of uh, uh, devaluing of the clitoris altogether. Although, I where were you when you found out a cow had four stomachs? I was like five. That's true. In a in a petting zoo, and a farmer who used a cow as like a literal like. Uh, water gun like a milk gun he, he he shot loads of milk at us from the teats of this cow and then taught us about the this the the, the 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 digestive system of a cow he didn't mention the clitoris and i feel robbed you know but although <laughs> like can you imagine going to a betting zoo i'm sure the cow did too yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just got at my nipples the whole time he doesn't understand i'm a clitoris <laughs> <laughs> Previously, it was sort of uh, touted around in all sorts of scientific places that the the human uh, clitoris had about 8,000 nerve fibres, but that was based on this cow data. Now, they've actually honed in on the precise uh, female uh, anatomy and uh, unpacked it, uh, as it were. How do you feel about this, Karis? Would you study 10,000 nerve fibres? I mean, it's kind of... This is a scientific tale as old as time, which is that for a very long time we thought that women worked in the same way as some kind of animal and nobody thought to check the science that a scientist did with his ex-wife uh, <laughs> and that maybe it wasn't correct and we just reproduced this lie for ages and then someone had to come up with a concept for a paper and didn't want to do any hard science and was like, you know what, I used to like doing it as a kid, counting stuff. I'm going to just get down there and I'm going to count. It's like that thing where they try to spell out the alphabet with their tongue. Oh, my <laughs> God. Who told them that? That's like... <laughs> just count the nerve fibers. Count the nerve fibers. It'll drive them crazy. <laughs> Just counting is the easiest science, and what this tells me is that <laughs> this guy had to come up with a paper, he had to get something published, and he had no thoughts for any experiments, but you could always go back to, to counting. The number of research papers that I've read, which they contribute nothing to human knowledge, but what they have done is just sat down and, and counted a bunch of things and then produced a number at the end. It's the only thing that you could do when you can't think of anything else to do. And the thing that most annoys me about this story is just that 10,000 isn't like an objectively funnier number than 8,000. All of the jokes that people have written about the clitoris having 8,000 nerve endings, if you replace 10,000 functionally from like a comedic point of view, it's exactly the same. We have gained nothing. Were you hoping for like 69,000? Was that the number you were hoping for? That would have been good. Or just like if it was like a million, like I think we needed to go at least like an order of magnitude higher, like just 2,000 more is not is not enough yeah. to change the punchline of jokes. The new research was made possible by uh, seven transmasculine patients who uh, donated clitoral tissue uh, and the donated tissues were then preserved, uh, stained blue and magnified a thousand times under a microscope uh, so that someone could do the counting. Uh, and at last we found out where blue dye comes in, finally. Because <laughs> I've watched so many ads. The 8,000 number comes from a line in a book called The Clitoris, uh, which was published in 1976, uh, which I feel we should discount all sex research that was done in the 70s because it was, uh, it was done on shag carpet and it's probably wrong. Yeah, it was a bad decade for sex, the 70s. <laughs> Generally. Yes, decades, <laughs> decades. <laughs> everything, everything before that, probably fine. Everything after. <laughs> <laughs>
now it's time for your ads because you can't be what you can't buy. Although you can buy ad space here on The Guggle. Uh, email us at hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com if you would like to advertise here on The Guggle. It will be an ad and it will be on The Guggle. What more do you want? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Build Your Own Space Documentaries for Beginners in 70 trillion installments of vast wonderment and incomprehensible hugity. Beginning with, wait a minute, isn't Earth in space? Oh God, we're in space right now. This is what being in space feels like. We're just on a rock and we don't even understand how big anything is. Uh, space. <laughs> and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Electrons, the antidote to space dizziness. Thinking about electrons can help you balance out the feeling of minusculeness in the face of the universe that you get sometimes when you think about the universe. Because on one hand, yes, you're incomprehensibly tiny and meaningless, but also way bigger than an electron. So it's all a matter of perspective. Think about the number of electrons in, for example, half a glass of water. Then drink it and stop worrying about space. Space. There's nothing you can do about it. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by being sick and having to work while you also have a baby. The most efficient fertilizer to grow all of your small resentments into relationship damaging Godzillas. Godzilla? Godzilla. Big Japanese nuclear lizards. <laughs> Now it's time for our Twitter news. Uh, by the time this comes out, of course, it will be about 18 groundbreaking stories too late. Uh, this story is rolling at the speed of knots. Twitter has asked some fired workers to come back after having fired people. It's all very exciting. Uh, Karis, have you got an opinion on this rolling story? I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit that, yes, I do. Elon Musk, uh, <laughs> he was forced to follow through on his terrible idea to push a Twitter and then what I really liked was in a matter of moments, he reinstated comedy, which is obviously good. We all wanted comedy to come back for, to Twitter. We're all missing that. And then he banned people from making jokes about him, which is a statement that follows logically <laughs> from the first one that I made. And then he fired a bunch of people. And then they've now realised that in order to run Twitter, you do need staff and so then they've had to ask them all to come back and what I really enjoy is the rumor that they fired staff based on the number of code that they wrote so the less code that you wrote the more likely you were to be fired because Elon Musk presumed that that meant that you did less around the company uh, and if you have seen any code that I have ever written in my life you will know that that uh, longer code is not better code and so what he did was he fired all of the <laughs> incredibly efficient people or all of the people <laughs> who like had to troubleshoot the really really hard problems and then he left everyone was who was either like less competent at code or just like your general have to write a bunch of stuff people and then things started breaking and then I would really like to have watched any of those people who got fired from Twitter being invited back to Twitter and what that conversation would have looked like. Yeah. Because I imagine that was very fun. I'd say it's a very short email. I mean, I can sort of understand from the perspective of business. You've just bought a business and it's a terrible business. It was a terrible business to begin with. You're sort of, un it's difficult to quantify what you're selling other than people's addiction to themselves. And, and of course you're going to go in and fire a bunch of people, but you do have to generally, I think, if you're going to go in and fire a bunch of people, think about the people who you want to fire. Mm. Um, and and maybe it's not the people who are costing the company billions of dollars a day. Although I I um I did a gig in Twitter HQ in Ireland uh, a few years ago. That's how I got verified. I went in 
did my gig and came out of a blue tick and I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> Is that what they paid you in? Do they pay you in a blue tick? <laughs> <laughs> Look, they gotta save money somewhere. Musk ain't no fool. He's the... Were there people who did the gig who didn't get the blue tick? <laughs> like if you bombed, then you didn't get verified. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a real person. I feel that's what it's like in comedy anyway. Not a real comedian. So-called comedian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I remember being in there. Dude, staff are lovely. I hope they've all survived. Musk isn't shooting them into space. He's just <laughs> Okay, <lying. laughs> fair enough. I feel like he would if he was given, the, if he was allowed to. I feel like he'd stick him in a rocket and put him up into space. But the thing that I was most impressed by by the Twitter HQ uh, was that in the bathrooms they had little toothpaste with toothbrushes. And I was with another friend and I was like, this is incredible that this is provided for people. And then my friend was like, this is actually like they want them to stay in and brush their teeth and work harder and longer. But for me, like any anything that uh, work does that's seen as a nice uh-huh. gesture is actually a thing to keep you in for as long as possible. And that's when, like, my whole mind was destroyed by capitalism. You know, I was like, maybe maybe people don't care about people's well-being in any way. I was teaching on this programme, teaching a bunch of kids debating, and then they had their, like, competition finals day in the Facebook HQ, and... Twitter is providing toothbrushes and, and toothpastes for people. In Facebook HQ, they had, like, a place for you to put your laptop when you went for a, a shit. What? What? So in terms of getting, like, the most out of people, different levels. This is why Twitter's got to fire a bunch of people. A place for you to put your laptop when you have a shit. Surely you'd bring the laptop with you. You know, you'd want something, like, play a bit of Minesweeper. In the toilet, there's a place for you to have your laptop whilst you're in the in the loo. Wait, wait, in the toilet itself? Wait, oh my, I thought it was like a little laptop crash for when you wanted to take a shit and you would leave it there. No, no, it's a place for you to put it in the in the bathroom. In Japan, they have uh, they have little places to stick your baby on the door um, in toilet cubicles. Is that just a coat hook? Have you mistaken a coat hook for a place to hang your baby? <laughs> It's weird, though, that Elon is asking us to spend $8 a month on a blue tick. It it makes the blue tick no longer feel... I mean, whatever attachment you had about your self-worth to a blue tick, it's going to be negative now. For me, spending frivolous money, it's seen as shameful. And I, I don't want people to know that I would pay eight quid a month for something blue beside my name. It just feels so weird. Eight dollars a month, you can. Uh, that's like more expensive than a Netflix account. Yeah. So if Elon Musk wants me to pay eight dollars a month for a blue tick, I also want access to all of the films. And I, I feel like being a verified person, they just presume that you're some sort of like person that used to hang out with Ghislaine Maxwell or something. I get a lot of people calling me a blue tick and then accusing me of being a pedophile. And uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to pay eight quid a month for that experience. <laughs> I got my blue tick when someone was pretending to be me and so I was like well I guess then there is a point to me proving that I am who I say I am but yeah it's sort of confronting head on the issue of internet free speech slash moderation in order to keep advertisers on board which is essentially why uh, social media platforms do any moderation at all um, mm. as inadequate as it is is because they are hosting ads that's the only way they make any money because it's not it's not a product, you know. We're the product. If you're getting into a club for free, 
you're the product. That's what I say to young ladies on the street at night. (laughs) Um. Elon Musk is also apparently unblocking himself from other people's accounts. (laughs) So this has just been a whole exercise of, this is just for him personally, he felt that too many people were ignoring him and so he is paid however many billion dollars he paid just so that he can go and force people to have to read his inane thoughts. The real thing is he sort of presented himself, publicly at least, as a kind of a... On the side of the coders against the side of the of the artsy uh, wankers who don't get anything real done. He's the side of the people who get their hands dirty, the side of the people who really make change in the world, and he sort of presents himself as a kind of an idiot savant mm. uh, in kind of contrast to people who always say the right thing. It's Part of his charm is that he doesn't say uh, the right thing. But I feel like one of the most beautifully democratic features of this whole exercise is that people can cyber-bully the richest man in the world. He is getting getting cyber-bullied. Like, I do feel like he is going to snap like that substitute teacher and take the ball back home with him, but it's social media. It's astonishing how he's managed to make himself the underdog, despite, and I repeat, being the richest man in the world. Rich people feel like victims. Ever since they were told they were the one percent, they're like, "Oh, we're in the minority. Okay, we need to protect ourselves." You know. <laughs> now it's time for your reviews section. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Karis, what have you brought in for us? So I'm torn. Because on the one hand, I want to review the Gargle fans because last time I was here, I reviewed Tendonitis and that did not receive a positive review. And the episode went out and then lots of lovely listeners sent me Tendonitis advice and it's really helped with my tendonitis. So I wanted to review the fans, give them five stars. Um, But then I thought, well, that was so effective last time. Maybe I'll just bring a different ailment amazing (laughs) instead (laughs) so i had my first uh panic attack yesterday and that was that was terrible i give that negative a billion stars so if anyone's got any top tips then we'll just i'll just keep going and next time i come sick uh, get sick i'll i'll ask to come back on the gargle and and this will just be my healthcare now i feel like if if you are having a panic attack just think of how elon musk is feeling you know (laughs) You should be fine. <laughs> bathing that. One of the pieces of advice that I get, uh, I often see when people are giving advice about panic is uh, to put your face into some ice water, mm. to get a bowl and put some ice in the uh, in the bowl, and then put your face in the bowl of ice. And I feel like the prospect of that much admin and ice face would give me another panic attack. I just <laughs> just admitting that I needed an ice bowl would be too stressful for me. Yeah. I don't think I would do it. The thing that I learned is that, so I have like, I run with an anxious crowd and so I've witnessed a lot of panic attacks and I have always been the person who's like, it's okay, we just need to get your breathing under control, breathe with me, breathe in, breathe out. I didn't realise how annoying that is until someone was saying that to me (laughs) when I couldn't get my breathing under control. I'm like, I I know exactly what is happening with my body right now. If I could do the thing that you're doing, we wouldn't be in this situation. (laughs) Well, see, this is the thing. If I was having a panic attack, the last thing I would do is be like, bowl, ice. Yeah. Like, there's so much, so many steps to that. You know, what I want is Cary Grant to slap me around the face and go, get out, you know, snap out of it. That's, I feel like that kind of rough and ready field treatment is the only thing that's going to be effective for me personally during a panic attack. Your mileage may vary. (laughs) 
Imagine trying to make ice while having a panic attack, though. You'd have to dig around, find the ice cube maker, fill it with water, <laughs> pop it in the freezer, have a panic attack for eight hours, you know, wait for it to get cold. <laughs> pop it in. Or it's already in the freezer and then it smells weird. You know, like if it's been in the freezer for too long and then you put it in the bowl and then you're like lowering your face towards this like freezer yes, burn smelling thing. So no. <laughs> if you've got your life together sufficiently to yes. have fresh ice and a clean bowl. You don't need you don't panic need... attacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You've probably got health care. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> Why not send a text? To that professional that you have on hand with your fresh eyes. So any advice for Karis uh, from our excellent audience? But nothing about ice because you will get roasted. <laughs> there's, there's some poor person who like is like, I find this is now having a panic attack because I that was the their only thing method. That helps them. <laughs> As I said, it's only me. I live an ice-free life. I have CPTSD, which in layman's terms means majorly triggered. And uh, I <laughs> triggered my timbers. And did we do this therapy where if you are kind of like losing control, you can like, uh, like it's a sensory thing where you can like touch, you like touch your hand and you kind of center yourself and make sure that you're there. Or you can smell stuff. And I've always been interested, like my therapist always chooses like a lavender. And my boyfriend is allergic to lavender. And I feel like he's trying to tell me something. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Through sensory stuff. But yeah, I don't know. Like The thing about like panic attacks is it does leave. It is annoying because it's like people do tell you it does go. uh, And it feels like nothing does go. But like uh, it's annoying when people are right. It's like when people say exercise feels good. And I'm like, f*** you. You don't know shit. And then I do it. And then I'm like, those bastards are right. You know, it's so annoying. It feels worse than the endorphins. I always thought that was a romantic song. I don't want anybody else. When I think about you, I touch myself because I'm having a panic attack and need sensory stimulation. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Karis, that was uh, minus a billion stars? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I so. would say we don't have that many stars, but I've just been studying space and we have so many stars. We've actually got minus 2,000 more than we thought that we did. <laughs> Having counted them. That's a minus clitoral joke. That's great. That's, <laughs> that's what I call Elon Musk. He's like minus 2,000 clitoral nerves. What have you brought in for us to review? So I went on this podcast a few weeks ago. I went on Off Menu and it came out and uh, I talked about soup. Uh, for a long time and um, this soup company <laughs> sent me uh, a load of broths in the in the post I want to review the act of uh, getting sponsored content for appearances I love it so if anyone wants to send me free shit please do I'll hawk anything uh, broths at the moment <laughs> I took a picture of all my broths like, a, like an Instagram influencer like I stacked them up and everything like they're little corgis. I just soup in the mail. What an innovation! I know. Go, go. Imagine someone delivering soup for your letterbox. <laughs> Does it come in a bag? Is it just a bag of soup? It comes in a bag. Are you sure you're not just the subject of a stop oil project? <laughs> yeah. I am the problem, though. I am the problem. <laughs> they are correct. Yeah, it just it just feels very innovative to me to to receive to receive broth through my letterbox. They're taking up room in my fridge. 
And I just don't know what to do with a duck-based broth, apart from making duck soup. And uh, I've never <laughs> had duck soup before. I've never seen the film. I don't know really what to do, but I'm very, very excited about uh, about getting uh, silly stuff in the mail. Like, I have a friend who's an influencer, and she got a car, um, and, uh, you know, I've been very jealous of her getting her car for free. Uh, she just has to put up a few posts, like... Uh, every couple of months like shouting out the the car dealer and I get soup and I feel like we're just in two different worlds. If this is how podcasts work, am I now going to get a bunch of panic attacks in the mail? Yes, I'm afraid so. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just ice, ice in the mail. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like the skill set required to be an influencer is an instinctive sense of how much uh, coverage you need to give a product if they send it to you for free in the mail. I feel like I would get it wrong in the in the wrong direction. In that, if somebody sent me like a small packet of like hand cream, I would then include it in every story for forty years. I would be embarrassingly they would be embarrassed by association with me because I'd be like, look at this hand cream. I'd, I feel like you need somebody who knows exactly how much to give. Somebody cool. Yeah, somebody cool. I've changed my name to the Borough Braff Company now, and that's what I will be referred to. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> shout out to those guys. <laughs> oh, uh, I review it as five out of five. Oh, excellent. Five out of five. I'm afraid you won't be able to change your name on Twitter unless you're clearly marked as a parody. For a Braff Company parody. Uh, I've made a big mistake. <laughs> Psychedelic frog news now. The National Park Services in, of course, the US, uh, the National Park Service has has announced that you should not lick the Sonoran Desert Toad. They've said even though it looks incredibly delicious and is incredibly delicious and will get you harmlessly high with no harm to the frog, you should definitely not lick this delicious looking frog. No, uh, Karis, can you unpack this story for us? Yes, yeah, so the, the National Park Service has warned people not to, to lick the Sonoran Desert Toad because it's toxic and specifically doesn't want to be licked, I think is the actual reason. <laughs> uh, so it has evolved um, to not be licked by saying, if you lick me, I will make you sick. And then also so by like it's followed all the rules on how to make itself look toxic and so it now must be so annoyed that people are looking at it and all of the signs that it's giving out that it's toxic and being like hmm that looks delicious I mean I think that every time someone tries to make friends with me can you not feel the vibes that I'm putting out take your eyes and go a part of me thinks that <laughs> the only reason they told people not to lick the toads is so that people would lick the toads that is genuinely what I think they had a meeting where they were like, how do we get people? I bet you I can make a bunch of people lick some toads. No, you can't. How are you going to make people lick toads? I'm going to tell them not to lick the toads. <laughs> yeah. And now people are going around licking toads. Because I never would have thought to lick a toad until I was told that I wasn't allowed to lick a toad. Now I really want to go out and lick a toad. Yeah. It does feel like that time I worked in a Chinese restaurant and uh, the boss said to me, my job, uh, my first my first day on the job, my first task was to uh, bag up all of the prawn crackers into bags. And my boss told me, you can eat as many as these prawn crackers as you like. I will never judge you. Just go for it. And um, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> I absolutely destroyed myself the first day. Just, just <laughs> the man... <laughs> 
The man was throwing the prawn crackers practically straight into my open gaping mouth. I was just eating them so much. But I never, I never ate another prawn cracker for years. So that, that man's prawn crackers were left alone for the full summer that I worked there. And I wonder if the government just gave that approach where they were like, you can lick as many of these frogs as you like. You knock yourself out, man. We as a people would be like, no, if the government are telling us to lick these frogs, like I am not going to lick these frogs. Like, f- the government. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we've spent the last 15 years systematically undermining er- all trust in every institution. Any announcement made by any government body at this point, I think we've proven through the whole vaccine debate during uh, COVID, is, we, every government announcement should just pretend it's opposite's day and <laughs> hope that they get what they want done that way. I think this is an elab- elaborate plan to stop people from eating the little washing pods. The tie. Oh yeah, tie pods. Yeah. At least they're getting out in nature. If you're going to lick a frog, right? Exactly. This, this, the tie pod thing. Like people have died from eating those, and so the government has been like, "How do we stop that from happening?" What is like a like a an equally tantalizing but significantly less harmful version of this? Do we think we can get them hooked on licking toads instead? You know what, Gary, I think you've got it. And as you say, gets them out in nature uh, and learning about different kinds of species. Um, and then the nation also gets to wash its pants. Everybody wins. Yeah, from from tide pods to toad pods. It's a beautiful story, you know? It's like, what will we put in our mouth? I, I've, I, I've, been, I've put weird stuff in my mouth over the years, um, especially for this podcast. Um, if I could review having a toad in my mouth, I'll give it a go, guys. I'll just have to get to California. But it can't be worse than a battery. Now it's time for the end of the show, I'm afraid. We've reached the end of the show. Karis, have you got anything to plug? Uh, yes, I do. On Monday, I have a show in Manchester. I'm headlining the, the Blizzard Comedy Night, which will be fun. And then on the 7th of December is the first ever Boys' Night, which is a comedy night for trans mask, trans men non-binary people and drag kings it's going to be amazing it's free uh, it's going to be really fun nobody is going to count the fibres on anybody's clitoris it's going to be a top night for for everybody and there's like I think we've still got like five more tickets left so you've got to get them now before we sell out I mean that clitoris story was entirely due to the contributions of trans men um, I think we a great contribution to science let us contribute something else <laughs> let that not be our legacy <laughs> Alison have you got anything to plug oh do I I have a whole tour that I'm going to plug I have uh, the wet comedy tour is coming to a town near you if you live in Edinburgh Glasgow Newcastle Belfast Brighton Bristol Manchester Liverpool and uh, I think that's it. Uh, so yeah, come along to that if you like. It's on uh, uh, in 2023 from the 21st of January. Uh, starts in Edinburgh, finishes in Brighton on the 24th of March. Go to my Instagram where you you'll find a little link tree, and there is plenty of information in that link tree there. Thank you. Oh, and uh, Wheel of Misfortune is back uh, with Kerry hey. Katona as the new host, which is mental. That's so cool. I That's know. so cool, Alison. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Thank you so much to our roving reporters, James Fieldsend, who sent in the clitoris story, Sea Lips, who sent in the psychedelic toad story. If you would like to be a roving reporter for The Gargle, tweet us at hellogarglers while uh, stocks last of Twitter. I'm Alice Fraser. Find me online at, at Alliterative on Twitter and Instagram. 
Also, I have Patreon, patreon.com slash Fraser. I will be launching my new show, Kronos, there soon. And if you're in Brisbane, there are about five tickets left to see me do Kronos on the 12th of November. So jump in quick on that. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post, Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. The world today is angry and not just about the important stuff. I'm Tiff Stevenson and I'm annoyed. You're listening to this and I know something random has pissed you off already today. So this show is a safe space for me, you and the funny guests to relive, release, unload on all of those things that make modern life so, uh, well, like this. She hated me. And that's the number one thing I don't like in a person, personally. (laughs) I can take someone that I don't like, that's fine with me if I don't like you. But if you don't like me, that ruins me. No beef too old, no fear too irrational, no opinion too unpopular. First of all, it's not growing out of my brain. It's, what are you talking about? I mean, if your hair manifested the internals of your brain, there'd be a lot of people in mergers and acquisitions with tiny penises for hair. (laughs) But it's just the worst Medusa ever. From the Bugle, this is Catharsis.